Welcome to the Truth CSGO podcast episode one, where I talk about all things Counter-Strike Global Offensive from a player's perspective. This episode I'm going to be talking about the Clash for Cash, which uh, just ended this morning, Operation Hydra, Freiburg Living in IP, and the Dreamhack Astra, which is this weekend. First up, the clash for cash. Well, it was a bit disappointing as a VP fan to have them lose 2-1 in such a such a sort of a slump by the end of those two maps. But on a technical note, watching it from Australia, I found uh, the stream was really subpar, not having access to TBS, not being able to access the E-League, the live E-League site. I don't know if it, it was just me, but it wouldn't load at all, both on my phone uh, or my computer. And the actual stream which I was able to access, which was Twitch, was just a bit alienating, didn't have any of the in-between commentary or analysis. And when the games weren't being played, just cut to a really poor sort of GoPro shot of the crowd. So that was a slightly subpar. I don't think it did TBS, who I guess are the owners of the stream, any favours really. What, what really surprised me about this event was that VP seemed actually physically tired. I don't know if anyone else out there noticed this on the stream, but Bialy was basically yawning <laughs> on the third map. I mean, the guy looked like he hadn't slept or, or, or else he'd gotten up sort of two hours after he'd arrived. He looked like he was severely jet-lagged, which was a shame because in that first map he dominated and, and he gave the sort of performance that Bialy, you know, secret Bialy fans... Uh, like myself, sort of got very excited about in that first map. He, he got the two entry frags on the very first gun round. And uh, I've always thought that Bialy was sort of the a bit of the linchpin of the team. He's quiet. He doesn't say much. A bit like Neo, but he, he, he's also the one who's sort of got those skills that really just suddenly pop out at you. And to see him sitting back like that, I just thought, mate, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? Like the the very least you do at one of these matches, is get good sleep, surely. I mean, that's the first thing. I don't know, does Bialy have a kid? I know a few of them have kids now. He wasn't changing nappies or something up late. I don't even know if Bialy even has an Instagram or the same sort of... I'm just going to have a little Google. Uh, Instagram Bialy Virtus Pro. I actually don't know anything about uh, Bialy. Oh, here we go. Bialco, he's got 122,000 followers there you go there you go he's even got a snapchat a facebook official bialy one of the things i remember hearing about bialy was on a pasha stream when he was like uh, he was he was hanging around the uh, a site on cash and really giving props to bialy is one of the best well he said he's, he's the best player in the world from this spot right there i think it was at the nbk spot so he's obviously got a lot of respect from the other members of uh of virtus pro you know i think I think I might do a whole episode on this guy because he's an interesting little enigma. Out of a team of big personalities, he's definitely the smallest. And yet as I'm scrolling through his Instagram, there are there are a surprising amount of photos of him wearing some fancy headdress, a chicken, some sort of rainbow clouds. There could be there could be an interesting person. Well, I'm sure there's an interesting person underneath all this. So stay tuned for the Bialy episode. Let's go back to Clash for Cash. I found that quite disappointing, you know, if, if, if you're physically not showing up, how are you ever going to play properly? And considering the stakes of this, the 250 grand, they put in such a great first map and it's almost like their energy just seemed to 
just seem to dissipate because they're making the sort of mistakes that I know I make when I'm when I'm tired when I've just played that extra that you know that one game too many, uh, you know at midnight or one a.m. and you just go oh, I shouldn't have played that one I should have quit when I felt like I, you know when I had when I was on a winning streak too and that's when you start to basically de rank uh, if you're playing MM. So that's a shame. But uh, look, I think Australis, even though they took away the cash, they're the ones who should be grateful for VP. In fact, I feel like anyone involved in the CSGO scene professionally should be grateful to VP. I think they're still the winners in a way because, but let's face it, they're the only ones with real personality in this scene. Uh, Australis basically are sort of like the automatons. They're like, what's that What's that Rocky movie where it's, um, I think it's uh, Ruby Rocky 3 where he's facing against Ivan Drago and Rocky is this sort of human you know, underdog again, and Drago is this machine-trained, emotionless, personality-free robot psychopath, um, and that's sometimes what Australis feels a little bit like, especially when they're up against VP, who actually have personalities that they display. Now, look, I don't know Australis personally; I haven't really followed them that closely, and and it could be that purely the age gap is what sort of sets these two apart from seeming to have. You know, from seeming to be one team full of personality and one team without personality. Because I know, you know, if you're the type who's playing video games professionally, you spend a lot of time in front of your computer, you haven't really socialized as much as other groups around you, potentially. And so maybe it takes a little while for your personality to sort of, or, or, or to feel comfortable with your personality in a, in a public sphere. And with some of the players, I think maybe, well, most of them now in VP are, are over 30. Definitely they're probably a little more secure with who they are in a public space, especially players like Taz and Neo who've been in the public eye since 1.6. Anyway, look, my fandom for VP will have not diminished because of this. Even if Astralis has proven themselves a better team, I'm still more interested in seeing a VP match. Uh, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this. So anyway, moving on, uh, it's a shame for VP, but uh, as I said, I'm not going to stop watching them. And look, if, if Counter-Strike and in fact esports really become something of a bargaining chip for broadcasters for mainstream broadcasters in the future which you know people are betting on right now but we're not sure it hasn't happened quite yet vpr still a very uh, wealthy or should i say valuable asset to that sort of transition into the mainstream because they're so popular i went to the iam sydney recently and was looking to buy actually a vp jersey and i would have too except they are like a hundred bucks so fuck that uh, let's move on to the Operation Hydra. I just wanted to mention, um, I haven't really heard any content that's kind of discussed this at all. And uh, look, as a as more of a serious MM player, I wouldn't call myself totally serious because I'm not on face that often. But uh, I really only play CS for the competitive mode and trying to get better. But I found Weapons Expert quite a, an interesting spin on the game. And I think... Uh, I think it really added a, a really interesting dimension because it, it, it threw off, it throws off your economy, it throws off uh, everything that you kind of assume about the game, which is oh, I'll, I'll just I'll either save until I get enough money to buy an AK or an M4, or I will uh, take a chance to get enough money with a with an SMG to get an M4 or or an AK. I didn't really play it enough to crack what the best solutions to the the way your economy works in that there i saw a couple of good tips on reddit like uh make sure that you've split your inventory for ct and t only guns for instance put the put the r8 put the r8 revolver as your t as your t loadout and put the deagle for your 
CT loadout. That way you can buy both of them if you need to. But more often than not, I was left with guns that I hadn't bought that uh, that I that I wish I had. So I guess I guess one of the things I found when when pubbing with this mode was that oftentimes the best thing to do was for a team to buy three guns of any value and just have you know let's say you're on T side and you got two A two B and one mid. Uh, have 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 one gun on on each sort of section, and then the two extras on the bomb site, maybe just a pistol that they and they could then pick up the other rifle from their teammate if they died. That was a way to sort of get around the diminishing returns of buying. I haven't played too many of the other modes. I've played uh, some of the war games. I played stab stab zap. Uh, Flying Scoutsman, Heavy Assault Suit. I haven't played in the headshots only. The Hunter Gatherers, the Trigger Discipline. To be honest, I'm not that into this, interested in this kind of stuff. It feels a little more like uh, the kind of games that I don't play CS for. You know, if, if I, if I want to play these sorts of games, I think I'll play a different shooter. And I don't think they necessarily mesh that well with the way CS is set up. I think it's uh, one of the things that, one of the reasons it appeals to me is how finely balanced it is, how finely balanced the uh, shooting mechanics are, uh, you know, with the economy and the rounds and the, and, the, and the sort of the team tactics. And I feel like Stab, Stab, Zap or the Flying Scoutsman really just kind of are trying to wedge this, this sort of quake model over the top of it. Uh, in fact, it feels like it's going back to its sort of moddy roots. And, and to me, it's not really, it doesn't really have an appeal. Out of all of those modes that I played, I enjoyed the uh, Heavy Assault Suit the most because it sort of added a, an interesting wild card i'm not sure i'm going to play the other ones uh the guardian missions now i played these for the operation wildfire all the way through and although i found a couple of them fun it really wasn't it didn't feel worth it in the end to me there was something a little hollow in the presentation maybe it was the generic you know cinematics in between each bit that just kind of turned me off a bit but i found the whole thing a little bit dull albeit interesting occasionally when i had to sort of use a scout to finish a a map and i hate guns like scouts but those sorts of maps did give me a a better appreciation for some of the the guns i I use less so next we go to freiberg leaving nip and according to all the uh sort of compilations of his twitch you know addressings of what happened he seems He's, it seems quite amiable. Uh, the guy was cut by the team, basically, because the results have been so poor. Finally, Thorin uh, can stop banging on about uh, NIP, getting a roster change, which which would be a relief. But I have to say, you know, even though they've they've only been together for five years, it does feel a little bit like uh, the party's over in a way for, for some of these players. I'm looking forward to Freiburg sort of reinventing himself, but I did feel a bit of a twinge of sadness. Uh, that NOP have, have broken up, even though everyone was sort of jeering at them and laughing at them. I, I really enjoyed the fact that they were kind of sticking together through thin and uh, thick and thin, and I, and I think that's one of the appeals of, of VP's lineup. You know that the 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 loyalty that they sort of demonstrate towards each other. So I, I'm disappointed by this, but I'm looking forward to see what Freiburg will be doing. I've never found that, even though Freiburg has obviously had some amazing plays. It does strike me that his spray doesn't seem to be quite as good as some of the some of the players and the better teams right now. You know, the Cold Zeros, the Nikos, uh, who, who seem to get the headshots a lot more often. Maybe it's uh, the way he, maybe it's the way NIP sort of dominated at the start uh, that meant they didn't sort of have to get that intense aim that other players seem to have developed. But I hope he can, I hope he can find his way to a good team and 
be basically in the championships again because I love watching him. Uh, the next thing is a DreamHack Astra is starting today. It's uh, it's going to be three days. It just doesn't really stop with this. It doesn't really stop with this CS sort of endless competitions. I think I'm going to do an episode where I uh, go over some of these competitions and sort of explain the difference between E League, between ESL, between a DreamHack. Because it's it, it all gets a bit confusing, and to be honest, I don't really have any fucking clue what's going on, when it's going on, like who who are running these competitions, what's important, what's the difference between a major and a minor, who who decides that. But uh, there should be some good games because we got SK in there, we got uh, Fnatic, we got Cloud Nine. Um, SK obviously look like the favourites. They're in Group A with Mouse Sports, Immortals, and Singularity. I don't even know who Singularity are. Uh, I'm not sure what country you know the majority of them are from. I think their biggest competition might be uh, Immortals, but from what I can tell, Immortals seems like the sort of the the, the poor man's SK. They uh, they sort of seem to have gotten the second round of Brazilian superstars. I think one of them's even like. A younger brother or maybe there's two brothers on Immortals. I don't know. We'll be having a look at that. Uh, there's some good broadcast talent as always. We've got Machine, Pansy. So, it, look, it should be fine. The first prize is only 50K though, so not quite the high stakes we've been uh, spoiled with for Clash for Cash, but I'm sure I'll do an episode on that afterwards. I hope you enjoyed the first episode.